0: Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to the treasurers about how they've built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. This week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by John Fulton, very old friend, very early placement of mine, years ago at ICI, yeah, when ICI was around. And John himself, he's got an amazing track record. He's got 20-plus years in... Treasury, finance, some really interesting you know, companies he's worked for, some you know, really challenging environments as well. And I think he's come through it, you know, despite being a New Zealander, you know, we'll, we'll talk we <laughs> won't talk rugby. Let's just let's just avoid the rugby. Let's move on. But joking aside, I mean, John has some great stuff to talk through. But as we were just talking before the show, John's got a different kind of background, not just straight up Oxford, Cambridge, born one the way through. John I'll let you kick it off because I think you've got some great stuff to share with the people listening today. Over to you, sir. How did you first
1: ever discover maybe finance, treasury, the lot, uni? Take us back. Sure, Mike. Thanks. Pleasure. It's it's a a real pleasure to be on your show and I look forward to the the questions that are going to come up. Look, to me, the the key to treasury has been, it's it's been about passion and, and, you know, determination and wanting to you know, get ahead in this in this profession. I've been very fortunate. I uh, fell on my feet with Treasury and and have loved every step of the way. It's taken me on a wild goose chase around the world and all sorts of fantastic roles. So I've worked with companies such as Coca-Cola, Hellenic, you know, ICI, Cadbury, and then doing a number of stints within in private equity circles, um, moving into more CFO-type roles. So it, it's been a wonderful ride. How did I get into it? I'll perhaps just sort of take you through how I got into finance right from the beginning, which was at the age of 11 or 12, I had developed a very healthy sort of desire to get invested into the stock market and and just understanding how it worked was just fascinating. And I was fascinated by markets and have been all the way through my life. That's kind of the underlying ethos of of treasury is is financial markets and managing risk, et cetera, et cetera. So I used to come off off a farm. We had a very successful dairy farm in, in, in New Zealand. And so I worked hard, earned money, put it into the stock market, learned what it was all about. And every every holiday, I would, if I wasn't working, I'd be heading into the city and visiting the stock market and just watching the the live, you know, open cry trading going on. And it was just fascinating and, and ever since then I've, I've just continued to understand markets in different ways and how they operate and, and, and seeing them expand into different areas and different techniques has, has been you know, something that's been yeah, it's really fascinated me. And I think you, you've got to have something that really fascinates you and you want to understand more and more about it and that, that kind of keeps you keeps you moving. You know you do your personal investments, you manage companies' investments, you manage companies' borrowings, currency risks, et cetera et etc et cetera. You know, once you start, it's very difficult mm. to stop. And I think that's that's kind of the the genesis of, of Treasury. You know, having a real passion and desire to really understand markets. If you haven't got it, don't do it because you're, you're gonna waste your time. Mm. So it, it's, it kicked off in those early days. I moved into finance. Well, I moved initially. My first job after leaving school was working for a stock stockbroker as, as a junior. It was only 7000 bucks a year. It was nothing, but it was it got me into it. It got me down onto the trading floor to see what was going on. And I absolutely loved it. And one, hopefully one day would visit Wall Street and et cetera, et cetera. Then came the 87 crash and I moved around a bit and something happened. I'm, I'm still to this day, not sure what it was. It felt like a dream or something, but something came up with the word treasury. And i looked into it further and, and kind hmm. of thought about, you know, the treasury function or the treasury of, of, you know, governments and corporates and all the rest of it. And, you know, I was just a young back then. I didn't really know too much about it. Anyway, dug into it, had a good look and, and was just, wow, this is amazing. There is just so much you can look at, look into and a job was advertised for a company called Lion Nathan, which was at the time, a fairly small brewer in New Zealand. And I took on a role there as treasury assistant and then became a treasury dealer and accountant back in 92. I cut my teeth in treasury. I worked like a dog. I would get to work early. I would finish late. I would make sure everything was finished. I made a few cock-ups here and there, but you know, I always wanted to understand why and how and would get to the end, end result. And, you know, the treasurer cut me a bit of slack to to do a bit of, you know, trading here and there with a very small amount, which was just absolutely amazing, you know, for a young buck. And I I basically cut my teeth in treasury um, with Lion Nathan. We went on to acquire a company in in Australia, Some of you might know, heard of Alan Bond, Bond Brewing. It was twice twice the size of Lion Nathan. Mm -hmm. We engineered the most amazing LBO with all sorts of debt structures I've never heard of. And, you know, huge amounts of currency risk. We went on to build the largest brewery in China. I had to manage all the currency risk of that, which again, you know, all these new experiences that I was introduced to, it was just like, it just never stopped. And it was fascinating. And to be working for a brewing company too, which is, you know, always the life of the party. So it was, it was good fun. So I had, you know, I was doing, I was just the cat that licked the cream. I then wanted to utilize that experience, and I would recommend this to anyone, going and working and trying to sell your skills as a treasury advisor. It was, it was great fun. I had to, I worked for a treasury advisory company called Bancorp and, you know, had to learn the art of selling skills and getting fees for it and providing treasury advice to companies all around New Zealand. And I stayed there for two years and, and really loved that, that role because it, you got to see different companies in different lights. You know, I had five years of Lion Nathan. I then had a, a two years with this company called Bancor, and would, there would be a variety of different companies, you know, exporters, importers, you know, education institutions, government institutions, et cetera, all with different types of exposures. And it was, it was like a you know, in the candy store in terms of all these different issues, and it was never a dull day. That was, you know, a, a great setup and a good way to utilize an experience base to move on to the next thing. And that was getting married. Mm. And then, um, my wife said, and luckily she was a virus descent. So we decided to head over, over to the UK. And that's when I bumped into you, Mike, and you, yeah you, uh, took me into joining ICI, which I have absolutely loved. And it was a, it was a fascinating role.
0: If I was going to say, for those people that don't understand, maybe can, again, you and I know ICI is mm. well known from, you know, but some of the more recent guys, you know, more junior guys, I, I see who? Yeah. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps explain who they are as well. Just I know it sounds crazy.
1: ICI, uh, Imperial Chemical Industries, mm. I think at one stage, one of the largest companies in the world it possibly. It was a UK bellwether. They did industrial chemicals. I joined at a time that they were going through a, Quite a revolution. U-turn. They were moving from industrial chemicals to commodity chemicals, into specialty chemicals, and they paid Goldman Sachs a lot of money for that. And sold all. They got rid of all their businesses and bought a whole lot of new businesses. And that was a, a a fascinating transition. More importantly, around the the people. I was this Kiwi that had just sort of jumped off the boat in the UK, and I've never been overseas before. So London was my first stop, and it was like, oh my god, it was amazing. And then. I worked for a, the the treasurer, who he he was an amazing interviewer. He was a, a mentor of mine for many years, and and I still speak to him. He's got the same birthday as me. His name's Dr. Chris Ballant, and he was fascinating. He would you didn't have to say too much because he loved talking. <laughs> he was one of these guys that was just fascinating to listen to, and he he was a life lifer with ICI. He was. He trained as a chemist and then converted into an accountant. ICI paid for all of this, did the conversion, and he rose to be the the group treasurer of ICI. And he would send me off on all sorts of different projects. And the most fascinating one was to go over to the States and do accounts receivable asset-backed securitizations, which I've never done before. But it it was all about project management. And Chris would... Tell you everything you needed to know, and you had to write notes. You know, like you had to, like there was no tomorrow. But he he trained you, and that was amazing. You to, to, mm. to have a boss that gave you the time. If he didn't know something, he would sit with you and he would train you. He would Another talk gaps. to you. Yeah, and he would come down to my level. And I wasn't I wasn't you know I'm not a very intelligent guy. This guy was PhDs, and he had he had a bunch of financial engineering PhDs working under him, who are my so to speak equivalents, but You know, these treasury managers were, you know, like rocket scientists. And for little old Kiwi, you know, coming into this, it was it was just fascinating. And, you know, the the discussions and conversations we used to have as a team, you know, and he would always look after me and make sure that, you know, I wasn't left behind. And you know, there's always a bit of fun and a bit of banter and yeah, they've been a Kiwi. The English are always trying to take you on and challenge you in some sort of way. So it was it was about fun, and he managed to create that team and that team environment, which was fascinating. So anyway, ICI was good. I moved on to work for a Coca Cola Hellenic, but we moved out to Greece. It was a kind of a complicated company, but it was fascinating because we had developed emerging, established countries throughout Central and Eastern Europe, twenty seven countries it was just after the wall had come down. So a lot of these Eastern European countries were coming over into Western sort of financial processes, which was quite challenging. I remember being in Croatia and I mean, this sorts of stuff they had these barters where you would trade off barters. So anyone trading with Coca-Cola Hellenic had the ability to trade off that trading position. So you had to break down these, these sorts of complexities and bring them into modern cash management. <laughs> it was like, You know, Going into some really far-flung places, into Armenia and Moldova and and Russia and and the Baltics, you know, it was it was amazing. We hmm. went on to to do some amazing transactions at Coca-Cola. Probably one of the most famous ones that I can recall was in terms of corporate treasury was the we did an inaugural. US bond issue, Greek family that had a substantial shareholding in the company wanted a very substantial dividend paid to them. So we had to go and find a whole lot of money. And I went on the, we shot over to the States with Bill Douglas, my CFO, and he was, he had been in Coca Cola Hellenic for quite a few years. Real Coke person through and through. Coke diet diet coke for breakfast every morning. Just love this stuff. And anyway, so we punched out this roadshow like there was no tomorrow. Huge bond issue, all went really well, and and we were just high fives. And the bankers were loving it because it was just it was just a fantastic deal. And probably the highlight was at the very end. You know, Credit Suisse, you know, came up. Kevin Roche came up to me and said, "John, I've got a bit of a special idea for you." I said, "What's that?" And he says, "Do you want to go down to the floor of the New York Stock Exchange?" And that was kind of you know, the coolest thing that's happened to me yet. And there's been lots of things that have happened, but you know, it's like a life, like a lifelong dream since you know the age of 12 to go through all this wonderful career and all the rest of it. And then to go down onto the hello, you know, New York Stock Exchange and meet the traders and Hall, Hellenics trader and all this sort of stuff. And just to see everything going on. It was I was mm. so fortunate because it was just before every, everything went to electronic trading. So it was, uh, it was, mm. it was amazing. After Coke ops move along, Coke I was asked to join Cadbury. I worked for a, a high performing CFO called Ken Hanna, who was phenomenal. He asked me to do a whole lot of stuff. It was there for a very short period of time because I was then pretty much a mate of mine who I did a bit of triathlon with. He worked for a distressed debt fund slash private equity called Ashmore. And he got me interested in coming across the States. And I, initially I was just not interested in. And he was like, you know, John, you've got to come over and have a look at this. This is going to be really phenomenal. I said, Mm. Yeah, Brent. Oh, I'm, I'm really comfortable. I love Cadbury. It's great. I get, you know, everything's done for me and it's it's beautiful and it's there's no risk and all the rest of me. He said, no, no, John, come and have a look. Anyway, I said, okay, what is it, Brent? He said, okay, I'm gonna put myself in, we're buying Enron. I was like, awesome. <laughs> Enron, you know, this company had just gone bust majorly and dragged the whole of America down. It was just a nightmare. And anyway, he he talked me through it. He said, John, I want you to come over and be my CFO. And I was like, what? I'm a treasurer, you know. But you know, I'll listen to your brand. He said you know, I need someone with really solid treasury experience. This was my introduction to private equity and and dealing with distressed debt guys and and prop desks and really nasty people <laughs> that want to do things to companies. And you know, I was kind of a little bit naive, but got to very quickly understand what it was all about. Fell in love with the concept and the idea. He paid me a whole lot of money and said, come over to Houston. I just dragged the family out and said, we're going. And we went, we didn't even go for a look-see. We just went straight to Houston. We landed. Brent and I were the only two people on the, we were the only show in town on that. We bought Enron, all those companies out of bankruptcy, the beautiful infrastructure assets. They were all gas pipelines, you know, gas distribution outlets, power stations, power distribution networks, all around in the emerging market countries. So nothing in the United States. So I had to quickly pick up on a bit of Spanish and then a bit of Polish and a bit of Turkish and a bit of you know everything to, to get familiar with these assets. It was a whole co structure. We had a lot of debt It was I'd never worked in high yield. The first thing he got me to do was to raise a 300 million reverse Dutch auction pick issue, which if you know what those are about, that's quite a complex ask in terms of what you've got to achieve and you're dealing with some very prickly types of investors. Anyway, we punched this thing out We paid 13% coupon and we were not, you know, I've been used to talking in basis points and thinking, you know, five basis points, I'm looking like a hero. We cut this thing by 3% just in one phone call and punched it out, moved the coupon from 15 down to 12%. Yeah, that was my first deal that I did with, with Ashmore Energy. And then we went on to, you know, we had a whole lot of cash, the Brent was acquisitive. He wanted to buy more companies. And basically in a nutshell, we we took a company from half a billion EBITDA. We sold it four years later for, you know, 1.2 billion of EBITDA so we had doubled the size of EBITDA roughly and with a very healthy multiple. And and you know, it was a breakup of all those assets and sold to strategic shareholders, uh, strategic purchases. We hit it off. It was a very interesting four years. We got through the financial crisis, which was a real challenge. It was a whole co-structure. So you're trying to drag cash up out of you know, some far-flung places. You had a lot of tax issues, a lot of money spent with advisors, um, as well as a highly acquisitive CEO who just wanted to keep buying companies. So it was never a standstill. It was probably the busiest role I've ever done and absolutely fascinating. So I, f- I finished with that company, Mike, around th- 2011, and then went off and did my own thing. I wanted to mm, mm. take some time out and then. I established my own company. I went into this, did some um, CFO consulting work and was working in with private equity, a couple of funds. And they would send me off to places like Mexico, Mexico City, and to do some work with the CFO preparing companies for, for capital markets activities. But it was, it was really fascinating. I would, I would love to get back into something like that again at some stage. And then sitting in the Dominican Republic, I, I got a call from a, a, a bunch of Chinese guys, Spencer Stewart, were said, look, John, we found this company, we think that, you should be looking at. I was not even interested in looking at working for a company. And my wife's kind of looked at me and and it was like, well, what are you, mad or something? And this job we're taking out to Hong Kong and also to New Zealand. And I'd been away from New Zealand for a long time. And anyway, so we got into it. I took the role, uh, they came at me in September twenty fourteen, I think it was, and I took the job in fifteen January and spent literally three weeks in Hong Kong, three weeks in Auckland, three weeks in Hong yeah, Kong, three yeah. weeks in London and just traveling constantly 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 and it just about killed us so the wife said let's move out to Auckland so we did that and it was interesting because it, it just brought to your attention how big global finance is when you're not in the middle of it and when you look at you know the time i spent in New York all the time with with the energy energy company and with coke and with Cadbury, you'd be buzzing into London into New York and into Europe you'd be doing road shows and this and that and seeing companies, seeing how the business worked and you'd be right in the middle of everything. And it was really stimulating and challenging stuff. I found, you know, shucks, I'm based in Auckland, New Zealand, which is a lovely place, but it's just not a huge amount going on there. And I love the place and hopefully we'll head back at some stage. But we just had to break out. So I finished up in May of last year and decided to mm. get back into the big smoke again where it's all happening and I'm I'm very thankful for that. So it's got me back to where I am today, and and I've, I've had a couple of interim roles, which I've loved doing, but it's been a, a, a great 20 years abroad, and prior to that, it was a good you know seven or eight years in New Zealand, and I thank my lucky stars that I fell on to Treasury as, as a profession, and then, more importantly, moved into CFO roles, and which has allowed me to now look at Treasury roles and CFO roles through the eyes of a Treasurer or CFO, and to see what you know I, I look at things differently, I think, than to well, that's what I was going to, sorry, I'm going to interrupt there. And that's what I was going to ask
0: earlier, and you were in nice flow, so I left you alone. But what do you think, being a treasurer, what sort of tool, what's it giving you for your toolkit? What The way you look at it, because you've done CFO-ship now as well. You've also done the sort of treasurer-ship, you
1: know, but, you know, taking both of those, what does it give you? I think what it gives you is it gives you a little bit more discipline around risk assessment. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's I mean I I would love to have been an engineer. We talked you know jokingly before the call about we should have been lawyers. You know they're the only ones that've done well yeah. out, of, out of you know the last twenty years. An engineer would have been fascinating. And I've got an engineering family background, and I'm kind of the, the black sheep here because I've went off and did a, a, a role in 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 finance, whereas they're all you know farmers and engineers, and they like breaking stuff and putting it back together again and all that. But that's what I'd like to do too. I like I like to understand how things work, and and more importantly what happens what if And i'm always working for the plan for the worst and hope for the best and 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 that's kind of hmm. that's that's the ethos you get you get as as a result of being a treasurer you you get to risk assess all different aspects of the company some stuff is not you know part of your remit but you still stick your nose in and and you know put your 10 cents worth in but you'd like to understand it the what if scenarios and how do you mitigate that and either insure it against it or or Protection or develop operational procedures around it that will mitigate the risk. But but, but that's where it's at. And I, I think, you know, in this environment today, you know, with, with COVID and all the rest of it, I went back and had a look at coca Lennox treasury policy. I was just poking through their website and, mm. oh, God, I'll have a look at that. That'd be quite interesting. And it was the same policy I wrote 15 years ago. And <laughs> it, it's the same stuff in there. And, you know, talking about financial headroom and this and that and and forward-looking projected EBITDA and how much cash you need to have on hand to manage, you know, in a, in a financial downside scenario, you know, contamination scares or whatever. And I, I think in this COVID situation today, you know, it's, it, being a treasurer has actually taught me and I guess a lot of people that are, that are in the profession, you know, stuff that you, you, you're prepared for. And COVID's actually been something that I think he shucks. This is Treasury 101. You're you're preparing for the worst. And hopefully, mm. you know, a better scenario will, will take place. But it, it does give you the ability to look at things in a different way. And sometimes you can't be criticized for being bored or anything. People do listen to you. You know, if you come up and say, look, hold on a minute, what about this? What about this? What about this? What is our plan if this happens? You know, going through that sort of decision matrix on what to do or risk matrix matrix on what to do. Is, mm. is something that that becomes ingrained in and you, as a result of working in the treasury profession, and I, I actually thank you know Chris Balance a lot for, for ingraining that in me. You know, working for the brewing company, that wasn't so much. It was a bit more sort of gung ho Kiwi stuff. But when you work for companies like ICI and and Coca Cola, you know they things get done properly, and you've got to do things sensibly. You've got to think things through and look at the potential outcomes. And and I think at ICI, we I worked with some great guys there, fabulous, and they they would just see it in a whole different light, and they would. You know, want to price it up and do this and do that and, and calculate how they could, you know, disintermediate the banks and do it more effectively. And it was like, my God, when did we stop here? <laughs> but mm. you know, the, the whole point being is that those big companies, they do distill very good qualities in you. And and you know, for treasury, that's what you do get. I think working for a big company, there are some lovely big corporates out there. And I'm sure the you know the treasury profession's been done well with as a result of these companies and they're preparing you and helping you to you know get trained properly and you know the treasury profession as well as is, is also you know it's, it's got very good training bits around it which, which which help help you prepare but i do think for a cfo having been a treasurer you, know, you can either be a cfo and been a, a controller or an accountant or whatever i think you know i'd make it very clear when i'm talking to people i'm not a i'm not a cfo that's come through knowing all the. accounting pronouncements under IFRS or whatever I'm just no interest in in making that my specialty I'm more wanting to focus on the market risks and risks to the business and risks to revenue and the cost base and commodity risk and and credit risk and all that good stuff which bigger the company the more interesting the risks but yeah, even with the smaller ones it's yeah you still got the same practices it's just it's it's scaled.
0: And I know that throughout this time Mm -hmm. throughout your career you've you know, you managed and recruited teams and, and things like that. And, that, you know, the people aspect is massive with you. Just going into that, you know, maybe kicking off of that, obviously, you know, hosting the show, I and mean, we we sometimes dip in on it and, you know, we don't always go on the people aspect so much. But when you're recruiting people, for instance, what are, what are you focusing on? Okay, you know, specific different roles may vary and say, yeah, Treasury Control, you're looking more accounting, you know, Treasury Ops, you're looking more front office dealing. But aside from that, what are the sort of secrets to your recruitment plan or what are you looking at sometimes and saying, actually, this is... You know, something I look for, or you know, there's always one thing I look for in people,
1: Mike. It's a really good question. You know, I'm a passionate person. I'm, I'm I've got mm. a lot of determination. Not an intelligent person. I just just tend to work well with people, and if they share similar sorts of traits in terms of determination, passion. If they're a lot more intelligent than me, or they're they're hardworking, um, they've done the hard graft. That's what really stands out. You can be an experienced practitioner or an enthusiastic amateur. It depends what you're recruiting for. And in some roles, you're going to need that experienced practitioner. You know, you need people Mm -hmm. who are seasoned, they've seen the knocks, and those are the sorts you want in the seat to save your bacon when things go wrong. But you also want a healthy mix of, you know, enthusiastic amateurs who are coming up through the rungs and want to... Work hard, and and working hard's the the key. I do get concerned these days around work and effort, and are people really working that hard? <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. in my early treasury days, I worked like a dog, and I loved it. You know, it was i you know, doing bank wrecks to you know managing FX positions overnight and reconciling this and that, and and yeah, you know, I was really into it. But I, I worked really hard and and worked long hours and didn't complain. I just got on with it, and that may have been as a result of working for my father and on the farm and all the rest of it and we we did work hard and it could be a healthy mix of that I don't don't know but I do look for people's work attitudes and Hmm. they've got to demonstrate there that they've done something or a number of projects where they've really had to work hard and I can work out very quickly whether it's spinning bullshit or not and you can query them and you can question them and but I do maintain that you've got to demonstrate that you've got that that's Hard-working card in, in your pack and that you're willing to play that at any stage without question. And then I, I think the other item too, which, which is interesting is I think you've got to hang your hat on something like they've you, got to have an, have had an interest or a challenge that makes you different. And it's, it's something that you know whether you've done a you know, an Ironman triathlon or you've you've climbed Mount Everest or you've done something that, that is going to make you an interesting more a more interesting person. Stand up from the crowd. You can talk confidently about it. You can talk around the, how did you get to that? How did you set yourself up for that? Or you know with their failures, were their problems. And how did you address it? And and I think if you've got something like that, that you can hang your hat on, then you are going to stand out because you're going to demonstrate that you've got the energy or the seen the light somewhere that you wanted to get hold of it. But it's it's important, I think, that that you've got to demonstrate you you've not just had your nose in books. You you've got to have done something. Call it a sporting conquest or some sort of personal conquest or just something that you can say, look, you know, All rounded. Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. You're looking for that out of people, but then as as you... And you've seen this, you know, you recently used sort of an interim treasurer for a P bats, you know, carve out and things mm-hmm. like that, and you set up a team and and everything else. As you blended that team and, you know, were there things in that that you thought, this is oh, going forward, people should be thinking about that themselves or, you know, the coaching you were giving to those guys? What was that sort of like?
1: That was actually quite an interesting exercise. At one, They, they wanted team on board as soon as possible we're talking about Canter, where they mm. Bain and was Bain Capital was acquiring Canter. it was a carve out of WPP it was a I don't know four and a half billion size transaction it was massive and spread out all over the world it was really complex they had no one in treasury we were taking over the, the treasury function from WPP's treasury who had a a significant size treasury operation globally so it was all about very quickly, yeah, they brought forward the closing date from Q1 to, to Christmas, and it was to the pumps. You really had to, we had to mm, do a lot, mm. and it was it was complex. And we made the you know, call very quickly in terms of the, the structure and what was needed in order to take it over from WPP and make sure there were no cataclysmic issues on day one that would cause the deal to not close. And you know, we deliver the close, but I think you know, the the key was, you know, we, we we needed experienced practitioners. You couldn't afford to have amateur enthusiastic amateurs. I think at some stage subsequent, you know, you could have had some people coming through to learn more about of these experienced interims. But I, I decided at that point, you know, it was it was time to get experience on board and managed to get a team very quickly on board that yeah, we all worked well and got you know the deal through close and they pretty much handed it over and and off we went. So it was hmm. a very quick process, but I think to answer your question, it was you needed the experience, you needed to call on people who had the who knew the market, who was out there, what was going on, the sorts of price that it that was necessary to pay. And we just cracked on and got on with it. And future-wise,
0: as teams develop, as treasury develops and everything else, what are you seeing? You were part of that new team and stuff like that, and you're seeing new challenges, you're looking at new roles and things like that. But what are you seeing that sort of, again, it might be when you're bringing on people, you know, oh, let's, you know, I, I want them to have a better grasp of systems, or I want them to be better at this, or better people managers, or, you know, people that, that you want people at who thought outside the bubble. If you like it, you yeah. know, why are you doing things like that? But again, the future of Treasury, you know, and the people are talking to me, you know, I go to the conferences, you go to the conferences, you know, and they're going, oh, it's this, it's bots, it's automation, it's this. You know, but there still need to be people switching them on and off, you know, there still need to actually be people there. But, you know, when, when you're looking through, what are you seeing as coming down the line sort of thing, you know, along the conveyor belt, as it were?
1: Technology is is obviously where where things are at, and and improving work processes through through technology and and speeding up the ability to see cash balances and all that good stuff. That's that's always going to be yeah really important. Are you looking for individuals who have spent a good number of years with a company? I've always liked that. I like it. I think you know if you can demonstrate you've you've stayed in a a coca-cola or whatever and you've moved around and you've, you've been on the management training teams and you've really demonstrated that you you've got dedication and and you've learned and you've, you've moved around you know the treasury function into different areas yeah that to me is just standout. i think that's still you know something i really look for and coming back to london here yeah, from little old New Zealand, where I've been out of this space for, for a few years. And mm-hmm. uh, which was not a huge amount of time, but it, it was, but, we're now on this advent of, of interims and and people who move around for like three months or four months or whatever. And I I saw some CVs when I first got back and, you know, was, was looking for people while I was at Kantar. And I, I just couldn't quite get my head around what value do you place in that versus, you know, someone who's worked for Biagia or whatever for five years and moved into a different role for five years and they've shown that they've dedicated themselves to a company and they've learned and they've moved into different functions and facets of treasury and it's a difficult one because different horses different courses but you know i I still think that and there is definitely a requirement for for interims and people to move around Mm. and to be able to be mobile and and pick up stuff and for a short period of time and run with it and do it if people are looking for careers and areas to move and how to improve themselves and their skills i think in in treasury you, you can focus on a specific area and you, you, you're going to shut the door to a whole lot of other opportunities. So moving around as much as possible in different areas and learning stuff, especially from a young age, is really important. You know, doing the cash management, doing the FX, doing the technology, tying it all together, doing some you know, policy work and writing treasury policies and financial you know, interest rate risk management, debt management. You know, there's a lot of stuff you can do and And I would recommend people, you know, young people especially, that don't spend too long in one area. Don't become complacent, keep challenging yourself and moving move, to develop a, a a need to know in treasury. I, I really want to understand more about foreign exchange or you know FX risk management or derivative pricing or whatever it might be. Uh, you know you've, you've got to keep looking around and looking at different areas and moving to it and if you're with a big company they're going to welcome that they're going to want to train you and I would put myself on training courses and, and various companies that I work for because that's what I wanted to do I wanted to learn more about a specific area and a lot of companies welcome, you know, development in those sorts of areas. So if you take the initiative and say, "Look, I've found these a treasury training course and something or other, showing the NELS to, to to go in and try and get more more knowledge in a certain area, which you can utilise for that company," that's that's all good stuff. Now you've been you're thinking outside the box. You're you're looking for areas to improve, you know, your your development, and hmm. bosses love that. You know, I absolutely love that. You know, employees, young employees especially. Saying, "Oh, John, I want to go and you know do more on you know, know more about treasury management systems, and I think we can do this for the company and all the rest of it." Hell, go and explore it. Spend a, you know a few bob and get on a course and understand it. Go for a flight to so and so and work work out how to do it. You know, improve your networking so you can understand more about what other companies are doing. Yeah, you know, those sorts of traits are, are, are really important, especially for young people coming through. Don't become stale. I think you've you've got to keep changing and. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say that my, my career has been the, the benchmark, but it's it's been fascinating. And I've just been so interested in learning new stuff and being involved with people who just knew so much more than I did and learning off them. And I would go away and try and understand it and get books out and, and you know, work with them. And I was working with a Chuck Gordian lad at ICI, and this guy was a rocket scientist, absolute rocket scientist, <laughs> and, and with Excel modeling. And he would just do the most amazing visual Basic modeling and do fantastic stuff. And he said, Oh, John, you should have a go at it. And he, he started to teach me a little bit of coding and, you know, I took it home and got some books out and then how to develop a do VB. And, and before he knew it, I was had my own budgeting model and I was doing all sorts of coding <laughs> around it and all sorts of stuff. And it was just like, you know, you've got to have that fire in your belly. And, and that's what I talk about things in very simple terms. And I think you've got the fire in your belly, you're determined, you're passionate. You don't have to be the most intelligent, you know, block on town. But uh, I think as long as you can show that you've got the now and the ability to want to learn, you'll you'll go far. And it's it's mm. so far it's it's been a good ride
0: so and that sort of as we approach the end of today's show and we talked about it before we started today you know and again with john we wanted to focus more less on the technical but more on the people aspects and some of the things that are coming through there but more you know this could be any of those actually could be technical could be anything we'll put your linkedin profile in the show notes so you'll have that so people can connect to you if they're right to have in your network everything else but what are the tips, you know, someone looks back across it and they say, do you know what, you know, this is a guy, ICI through then Coke, as you say, and, you know, took on the Enron business and done all this different stuff and travelled the world, and, and they say, do you know, I want to do the same thing. What are the sort of top tips you might give to those people listening today that they could do the same or copy, Sorry. Of?
1: I don't think you could copy it, Mike, at uh, the that first like point, to. but I, I just don't. I mean, I I went for, I had a very basic education background. I've just got myself lucky, and that's probably, you know, that's one of the how to break in and, and succeed in finance is, you know, there is a certain amount of luck to it. I think developing a specialty is what, what I've talked about, you know, finding something hmm. that you're good at and, and, being really, just be really good at it and and, and develop it further it will make you a more interesting person i think you know meet as many people in your field as possible learning from them you know, that that's really important uh, networking is a, is a real challenge some people are really good at it slightly more shy, but I, I think you've just got to get out of your shell and network 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 learn from other people you know it, it, that can be really helpful i think just working hard working really hard working smart you know don't be careful not to do stuff you don't need to do, and and is, is really important. The longer you spend, I think you in terms of academic background, I think it matters less. Yeah, you know, the longer you're out of school, I think you know there always is the concern. Oh shucks, have I got the right qualifications and this and that and all the rest of it? You know, the longer you spend out of it, the more you're investing into your own personal MBA. And you know, I look back and I think I've got a well qualified MBA you now, in, in treasury and CFO, and that's just come through hard work and me wanting to, you know, persevering and, and learning from other people and, and experiences and getting stuff wrong and making mistakes and tripping up and and all that sort of stuff, which I do all the time. But just get back on your feet and learn from your mistakes and, and how you're going to move forward and off you go. I think those are kind of the, the, the main ones that I'd be focusing on, right? Resilience overall, I think. Being able to learn how to take the knocks and, and you know, you you work for some great people, you work for some, some real assholes, but you've just got to get on with it and get the best out of it and think about what do I need to do in order to move forward. Don't yeah, become right complacent. Through. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, sir. I knew it'd be a cool one. And I think people just listening today on their way to and from work or, you know, whatever they're doing, you know, they can, you know, they'll be scribbling notes. They'll be taking <laughs> tips from yourself. Like that. We laugh about it, but I think you wouldn't have got to the level you have. And, uh,
1: you know, congratulations on that, sir. And look forward to the future. Well, I thank you. And I thank you for putting in, me into that role back in 1999 with, oh, with Imperial Chemical in Industries. <laughs> I mean, that was that was one of those lucky breaks, you know you find the right recruiter put you in the right role off you go
0: and a lot of it was accident from me so I was still like oh my god treasury (laughs) Uh, no I remember it was amazing thanks for your time today sir we'll put the LinkedIn connection in the show notes so again if you think it's great to connect up with John please do amazing today sir thanks for your time my pleasure thank you mate